This podcast is recorded in a house with animals, including a convalescing baby chicken. That would be the peeping you hear in the background. <laughs> we also have a pair of coon hounds who are li- likely to bark at some point for no reason whatsoever. And uh, a couple cats who aren't allowed in the studio while there's a small bird convalescing in here. She's not that small anymore. No, she's actually quite a large bird, but she is still convalescing. And she's small. For, she's a tiny little chicken, but uh, she's a pullet now. Yeah, she is a she she's is a pullet. No longer a chick. We also swear a lot. It's true. It's a problem sometimes. So this podcast is flagged explicit in iTunes because the other choice is clean, and as much as we might hope for it, it's not. Consider it PG thirteen. Strong language, parental guidance suggested. Probably nothing explicit. Probably. Probably. Welcome to Kevin and Ursula Eat No. No. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy, (laughs) episode 50. Episode 50 is a big deal. Yes. It uh, will be released on uh, the 365th day. 356th day, right? Something like that. There's 365 days in a year. 365. Okay, so yeah, it, it will be day 365 uh, since the release of episode one. Dude. Which means that Friday, the day after this goes live, is officially the one-year anniversary of the podcast. Nice. I'm kind of impressed. I'm planning on taking uh, probably two weeks off again this summer because it's, you know, I need a little break. And we'll have Worldcon and all the mess that goes with that. And Anthrocon. And Anthrocon. And I mean, I don't want to, I, I want to just have a two week block where we're not recording as a little bit of a break. Um, probably in August. So that's coming up. We also have Anthrocon coming up. Yep. And we'll talk a little bit about con prep in a little bit, I'm sure. Oh. Uh, we are attending Anthrocon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, July. 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, I think. Something like that, yeah. yeah. We drive up the 4th, we drive home the ninth. If you are thinking that this is your chance to come and steal my chickens or leave goats here, we have pet sitters, and they are instructed to uh, prevent goats from being left on the property with extreme prejudice. <laughs> Andrea. Andrea. <laughs> So hey, I've I've had a, a week. I've had emergencies. I've had clearing up emergencies. I've uh, had to rejigger what I had planned to do this week around work because of said emergencies and adjusting for those things. So it's it's been pretty typical. I got tattooed today, which was a nice thing. It's nice to it's nice to take a little break and um, get a little more ink. I'm in pain. Not gonna <laughs> lie, the side of the leg right around the shin is not a pleasant place to get tattooed. But it's going to be gorgeous artwork when it's done, and I think we've only got one more session left on this leg before we go to start on the other one. Fun times. Woohoo! And, uh, you know, um, been talking to, to people online, interestingly enough, had a discussion um, about keeping organized on a uh, author's Slack that I'm on, which was a fascinating bit of... Of okay, what what are your particular challenges? I know this is how this person works and that person works. And uh, Case Alexander, who was interviewed on episode twenty something, I looked it up and I can't remember. 
specifically she's she's on this chat too and was like yeah here's what i use and and i'm like here's the interview and you know all the different things and it was it's interesting to see how this is how how this is sort of a thing and impactful um not just beyond like how i'm keeping myself a little better organized and getting you into a state where you're getting your stuff done mostly. i was always getting my stuff done you were but maybe tracking a little better and more effectively, but we'll talk about that later, probably. Maybe. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, I, I'm, I've been sort of working up to this. It's been a year and how cool it's been and how grateful I am to everybody who's listened and shared and told their friends about it. It's, it's been just a great year. So. Let's talk to our wombat test subject, <laughs> author and illustrator Ursula Vernon. Oh, yes. Good Lord. Did, did somebody ask you to introduce me because they have no idea who your wombat test subject is? No, I, I just felt it'd been a while. Oh, okay. Uh, it's fine. I don't expect anyone to know who I am. Uh, this week was, we had a house guest, mm -hmm. um, and who needed to get out to a convention in Charlotte. It was Sean and McGuire who, you know, the interview was with last week. Uh, lovely person, glad to have them around, but having a house guest is always a lot a of frantic, yeah. you know, running back and forth. And it's one of the things that I do not begrudge, but I will acknowledge it is a stressor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the oddest thing was that, I mean, a lot of my work got shunted or did not get done, or mm. or a lot got done this weekend. Right, um, right. And one thing is, uh, I want to say it was Tuesday, I had just, my brain was not firing. Um, I had, it was like a super scattered day. Mm -hmm. I yeah. was one, like, I would pick something up. Remember, I had to go to the bathroom, make it about 10 feet, put thing down, pick up other thing, forget what I was doing. And normally when I have to go to the bathroom, I'm suddenly very focused. Yeah, it's not something you normally forget about. Yes, so it was, uh, it was, even for me, this was extremely flaky. I was, you know, reciting my schedule more or less out loud mm -hmm. because I could not remember it in my head. I'm like, and this made me think... Okay, this is this is a even for me this is excessive. It is, and it was starting to feel a bit like a panic attack. Except I was chill, but all my little you know internal th alarms were like, "This is sort of like an anxiety attack," and we're telling you something is wrong. And I'm like, "But I'm not anxious." And they're like, "Yeah, well, alarm's going off, man. What you want to do with that alarm is up to you. We're just telling you the alarm's going off." Uh, so I went on Twitter for some. Mm -hmm. Finally crafted artisanal data, a.k.a. anecdotes, and asked... Twitter poll, do you think I have ADD? No, yes, it was no. not that. It was not that. Uh, <laughs> Kevin thinks I have ADD. Um, so does my mother. My mother and my brother both have it. My mother is like, you have to get checked. Seriously, get checked. Seriously, there's no way you don't have this. Get checked. And my mother is enough of a sort of hypochondriac by proxy that if she tells me I may have a thing, I will... Uh, I will suddenly get the urge to go alphabetize my toenails. Yeah. Or anything else. Mm. Um, this is this is the psychology of, you know, growing up with people and not rooted in rationality, but wow, I can totally alphabetize my toenails. Um I'm sure you can <laughs> alphabetize your toenails. So uh I have been largely resistant to this, but 
yesterday I'm like, okay, this this is this is getting wild. So I'm like, is there such a thing as like an ADD attack the way there's an anxiety attack? Because anxiety, I understand. And my various Twitter peeps, thank you all who weighed in, were saying that there are certainly very bad brain days Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with that, and it can be related to all kinds of things. But uh, it it ranged from, well, there's not attacks per se, I just think of it as having a bad brain day, and people going, yes, fuck yes, yes, it's a thing, it's totally a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, And a number of other people going, even if it's not ADD, have you considered perimenopause, which apparently is a... a Perimenopause. Premenopausal. Ah, yeah, uh, and I am 41, so mm-hmm. it's certainly possible, which has some of the same symptoms of, you know, am I losing my mind? I can't keep track of anything <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So it was sufficiently out there that even though I have resisted either diagnosing myself or seeking a formal diagnosis, it was sufficient that I'm like, eh, maybe I should go check and see if I can get an appointment somewhere. But our current insurance is so bad, it'll probably be like two years before something. Yeah, I've I managed to get that. So I'm going to, you know, try we'll, some tricks with caffeine. <laughs> we'll figure it out, yeah. yeah. Um, but one of the things that did make me feel less scattered was I sat down and made a to-do list, mm-hmm. uh, not of things to get done that day, but of all the projects that I am working on and which I owe people. And honestly, uh, once it was written down frequently to-do list, you look at it and you're like, oh my God, this is a terrifying wall Oh, obligations. I need to go curl in fetal position. This one was nice because I looked at it and was like, okay, this is not that excessive it's not as it's not as bad as my brain wants me to believe it is yes and i was like okay this is all entirely doable a couple of them are just you know sit down for 20 minutes and you'll Mm -hmm. have it uh, done kind of things um getting the the martyrdoms for the hidden almanac for example right uh okay doable and so that was nice and I suspect part of what set it off is that my agent was like, hey, here's an opportunity. You kind of need – can you write a novella based on this This, <laughs> this short other story. story, yeah. And it had gone from, we have some people interested, you should consider writing a novella, to now would be a really good time to write a novella. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. But suddenly I'm – Thou shalt write a novella, and I'm like, whoa, okay. So, and my brain was like, now you owe ten thousand pieces of writing to everyone right. on earth. So brains are liars mm-hmm. who do not have your best interest at heart. Anyway. No, but you you get the you get that list in front of you, and you can look at it and say, see, this is all, right? All right. You know, you haven't broken it down into small tasks, so it looks huge and and unconquerable which is a problem i sometimes have is i'll be like i'll put a thing down and i'll be like okay let me fill in some of the steps then let me put the other thing down and fill in some of the steps and while uh, it might be four steps each 12 things with four steps each looks a whole heck of a lot different than um did i say 12 with four or four with 12 oh who knows anyway it, it looks a lot different when you expand it out like that and the thing is i'm still unclear in my head whether breaking things down into steps like that is useful for me because right. there is the whole um i want to be able to check a thing off on the list and get that little dopamine hit of i have checked off a thing on the list right, even if right. it was a subtask but there's also this is just goddamn busy work 
if, is in, and, and I'm not saying it is for everyone, right. but for me, my brain is like, you know perfectly well what's involved in running prints. Breaking all this down is just doing busy work. And that's, you know, that's fine. Sometimes I use that breakdown to help me remember what it is I need to do, especially if it's something really complex or something I've never done before. Yeah, whereas for me, I am not doing anything here that I have not done a million times. Right. And... It's also hard in, when the order is write a book. How am I going to break <laughs> it down? Okay. The only way, thing I can think of would be like 10 or 20 steps that are all write a mm -hmm. thousand words. And that's just right. each step. And yeah. then I could check it off. And it's like, when I say do main plot, you know, get mm -hmm. to climax, get to denouement, get pro like, no. It, it, it's, and you don't write that way anyway. Yeah, I really don't. Um, you'll you'll throw in key scenes, and then you fill in all the connective tissue. More or less, yeah. Sometimes you throw in connective tissue with a put big battle here. Yes. Uh, in fact, um, my agent had a novella that uh, she's reading that uh, she's supposed to be sending out, and she was like, uh, this was so... It was very sweet. She was like, this was so engrossing, and I was so caught up in the world that when I got to the point where you'd just written, stuff goes here... I started laughing out loud. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's it's been a fairly high stress uh, week mm -hmm, or so, mm -hmm. and I have had kind of unhelpful brain weather. Right. And it's not that it's like you know there are terrible storms in Ursula's brain. It's more that. The fog has rolled in, and somebody needs to go kick the lighthouse keeper awake because. It's starting to worry we're going to beach somewhere. <laughs> right, exactly, so, exactly. Anyway. Uh, and these are these are things that happen, and I, I am certainly guilty is not the right term, but it's the only one that's coming to mind right now, of having bad brain days. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and speaking of guilt, that is um, actually uh, someone who has certainly not given me permission to talk about their diagnosis in right, public, right. so I will not name any names. Uh, but who is in a related field to mine and very well respected was like, just go get the formal diagnosis. There's two things. The, first of all, it will it will convince you that this is not a moral failing of yours. Okay, yeah, and that's important in yeah. this in this in, at least in the American society. Yeah, because mm -hmm. we you know it it's. The fact that I am occasionally a total space cadet feels like a moral failing sometimes. Right, yeah. And the other thing is that, honestly, it helps that I am in a field where I can get away with being a space cadet. Mm -hmm. I make my deadlines very well, and everything else is chalked up to, oh, artists are all flakes, you know? So I am in a field where... If I am sudden, if you're talking to me and suddenly I'm like, I'm sorry, I have missed the last five minutes. There's a bird over there. Mm -hmm. Everyone is like, oh, that's Ursula. Yes. Um, and the other thing they said was, uh, you are clearly a shoe in for a formal diagnosis. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. Even, even my friends on the internet can yeah. tell that. Uh, and I. I am I largely again because of my mother's tendency to discover exciting diseases and then believe oh, yeah. she has them or that I have them even more likely. Uh I am so reluctant to diagnose myself, you know, armchair psychologist. It's like Yeah. She's been telling me that since 
everyone, she has OCD, my brother has OCD, surely I must have OCD. I'm like, nope, don't got it. No, not really. And mm-hmm. she's like, but you meet your deadlines. I'm like, that's professionalism. It's not OCD. Right. You know, yes, it's, oh. there's burning anxiety in there, so I don't die in a ditch next to Walmart. Mm-hmm. Honestly, we could have a drinking game with this show related to how many right. times does Ursula express her I, fear I of dying I in a ditch next to Walmart. I, and I was going to say, yeah. I... I know I have some borderline um, obsessive-compulsive tendencies. Yes. Like, I am neurotic about making sure the dishwasher is loaded just right. If it's not loaded right, I I will lose my mind. I, it's yeah. The dishwasher has become like a load-bearing neurosis for yes, you. Yes, it kind of has. Because you can let a lot of other stuff go as long as you've got the spoons in the right order. Uh, yes. And, and that's fine. I think everybody should have a harmless load-bearing neurosis. <laughs> uh, I, a friend of mine um, will get one of those big boxes of Skittles yeah. that are the mixed rainbow, or not Skittles, rainbow nerds. Oh, yes, That's yes. the huge box, and they're all together. And we'll sit there, and we'll sort them all and bag them up by color. This is a completely harmless, load-bearing neurosis right. that de-stresses them so, and, and brings them joy, so... More power to them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it brings me joy, but it is an. It, it's like the dishwasher is an area of my life I can have complete control over. Yeah. And if I let it slide a little bit, or I'm wedging things in, just not quite perfect, to in order to get, get some the dishes, dishes done. done. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not that big a deal because I think I'm. I've I've got a really keen understanding about how we are not perfect. And it won't be perfect all the time, but perfect is the enemy of done, as I've said multiple times, uh, both on this show and to my coworkers, and possibly screamed at perfectionists who are like, well, I was almost done, but then I had to scrap another thing, and oh my god. Yes, but that doesn't change the fact that mm-hmm. I still frequently walk in and you are carefully organizing every all of the, the silverware by the color of handle from largest to smallest. Well, yeah. And this is where we're different people, because I would arrange it by uh, color of handle in rainbow order. The way I've seen you order it is, does it fit in the little slot? Great, it's fine. Yes, well, that's that's because I do not have that no, particular compulsion. I'm just don't. like, thud, <laughs> slam, it's clean now. Yes. So, uh, which is fine. Like mm-hmm. I said... Having a load-bearing neurosis is great. Yeah. Uh, if it, this is this is one of those things that I don't think one of my great freeing realizations of adulthood is I don't need to get over every one of my problems before I die. I bite my fingernails. I am going to bite my fingernails till I die. I have I have made peace with that fact. Uh, my mother tried every number any number of things to break me of the habit. Um, you know, the the thing where you put foul-tasting stuff on people's fingers, which I washed off because I wasn't stupid, and... and things like that. I'm just like, and I am just going to bite my fingernails till I die. And you just accept it. It has no mm-hmm. major medical consequences, and it's better for me than smoking. Yes, it, it very much is. So, so. Eh, eh. life. So yeah. you don't get a prize for dying with having solved, you know, the most personality flaws. Oh, would that we could! That might actually, you know, <laughs> make some people stand up, take notice, and get better at things. Well, yes, but that's the when their personality flaws being an asshole, not usually like that's, biting yeah, okay, fingernails okay, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, mm, you you got me on that one. You yeah. got me on that one. Thinking of people with personality flaws. 
I hope you're not about to segue into the interview with this because that would be terrible. Well, that's the thing. You're interviewing me this week. I am? Yes. It's been a year. Oh. Someone suggested that we do, uh, 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 suggested an interview of me. And since we haven't really, we did the, the one at the start. In episode one, where we talked about why I was doing this and all of that stuff, but I never sat down and formally answered the seven questions. All right. Well, so I can do that. We're going to do that after a quick break. I'm going to get more wine. Yes. And we are back. Well, I'm here on Productivity <laughs> Alchemy about to interview our special guest of the day, Kevin Sonny. Ha ha ha. The power is mine now. All right. Now I'm terrified. I mean, I'm, surprisingly, I ask all other people these questions, but I've never actually sat down and thought through my specific answers. So it's, it's kind of interesting because I'm feeling a little, a little nervous about it. So... I'm here today with noted podcaster and host of Productivity Alchemy, Mr. Sonny. Yes. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do. So, uh, as I'm sure many of you know, my name is Kevin Sonny. I am an IT person. I'm a podcaster. I raise chickens. And I am the straight man, often, to Ursula Vernon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my, my primary... The laurel to my hearty. There you go. Or maybe um, it's the hearty to my laurel. It's been too long since I watched uh, those. The, the, yes, the, the serious to your silly. Um, Eric Idle described it as the white face and the red nose in comedy teams. Ah, yes. Right? Uh, in um, The Long Road to Mars, which was sort of a, a take, a sci-fi take on the vaudeville road where Mars was like the big vaudeville stage doing shows all over the solar system. Anyway, uh, in my day job, I am a system administrator for a small company. I am responsible for all of our servers uh, from implementation to decommissioning to setting up special authentication things for our customers to making sure everything gets patched. So there's a, a lot of, there's some reactionary and there has to be some proactive work done because if I let it all be just what is the customer request today? What is the customer request today? We won't make any forward progress. And I'm already cleaning up, you know, a couple pieces of technical debt from my predecessors. And so it's, it's much more of a, of a, a balance between what needs to be done to address immediate concerns and what needs to be done to make sure that we don't have these concerns again in the future, or more importantly, looking ahead at when we've got a hundred customers versus the number we have now, or, you know, 10 times that, how are we going to continue to manage this growing environment? And I, part of that is growing the team, but we're not big enough for that part yet. So I have to be able to, I'm, I'm looking for all the, um, uh, what's the right term uh, force multipliers. Mm -hmm. that I can use as a system administrator 
to work on, you know, 20 machines at once instead of having to go to each one and type in commands because that's that's bad. That's bad news. Well, this sounds like a very busy job, so that leads us to our <laughs> next question, Mr. Sonny. Sorry, I did not mean to turn this into, you know, where were you on the night of? Your Honor, permission to become a hostile witness? <laughs> um. I'm just I'm just remembering uh, from the Matrix, mm. um, Agent Smith, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> yeah, but you, you've got that whole... you. Hugo Weaving thing. Yes. Yes. I would watch Hugo Weaving read the phone book, particularly if you said something nasty about the humanity about humanity at the end of it, because it's not really a science fiction movie until Hugo Weaving says something blighting about humans. That's very true. And, I mean, we got Lord of the Rings, mm. we got The Matrix, we even have Transformers, where he yeah. is the voice of Megatron, yes. uh, V for Vendetta. Oh, yeah. Not that you ever got to see Hugo Weaving, which was a great loss. Red Skull, etc., etc. Anyway, enough about Hugo Weaving for now. Sorry, there's a paw coming under the door at the other end of the... Well, I've been told productivity alchemy is recorded in a house full of animals. Yes. (laughs) That one's yours. (laughs) The only one that's mine. (laughs) Tordy, stop that. So, how do you keep yourself organized? You know, a year ago, it was uh, it was very different. Uh, the job was different, and what drove me day-to-day was very different. So I've, I've had to shift up since we did this originally. Originally, it was all like Google Calendar, Microsoft Exchange Calendar, and very reactionary to the tickets and whatever, depending on the day coming in. But you have changed jobs in the last year. I have, um, in the last six months, actually. So one of the first things is that at work, everything is Google, which is great because that means I can keep my schedule in a Google calendar, subscribe it to my personal, subscribe my personal to my professional. Everything's cool. And I've got basically, no matter what machine I'm looking at, I have just my schedule, period. No embellishments, no weird hooks or any of that. I can find out what I'm doing. And it's really kind of light. Because I don't have three meetings a day about Project X or whatever. I have the Scrum. I have any customer calls that may or may not come up, which is maybe two a week at on a busy week. And the rest of it's sort of like blocking out time. On the personal side, you know, I'm blocking out things like, yeah, I had a tattoo appointment earlier today. I, you know, so uh, I have interviews coming up with, with other people. Those go through the calendar. And it's been nice to have a unified place and not have to check two or figure out weird sync things in order to be able to view it all at once. I know you spent a lot of time and geek energy trying to figure out ways to sync things together at your right. old job. Mm-hmm. And I think you do less of that now. I It's all because I use Google for personal and I use Google for the professional. I don't do it anymore. It just works. I just gave, you know, it's that's one of the glorious things about Google is if you've got two things on the Google platform, you can j- just say, or two accounts on the platform, you just say, hey, this one's allowed to access that stuff, and that one's allowed to access this stuff, and it's done. It's like magic. I have a completely unrelated question. Yes. Is your chicken hungry or something? I No, she does this at night. She, okay. She just chatters. She has food. She had mealworms. She has fresh water. 
You just have a talkative chicken. She's talkative, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the chicken is looking at me and chirping, and it's, mm-hmm. it's I'm not going to lie, a little unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. D- d- when you're trying to record. Oh, yeah. Last night, I was trying to record Hidden Almanac, and she was... I guess trying to get comfortable for bed and there was a, there was loud chirping and there was banging and there was thumping and then eventually there was snoring. His chicken snores. It's, it's a thing, yeah. Kind of adorable. Yeah. So anyway, um the other things um I have my uh my phone, Android phone, which links to all my Google stuff. Um email is where I've made a big a big change in the last couple months. I started using two tools called Active Inbox and Sanebox, which I've talked about in the past that are basically one is filtering my mail and kind of pre-sorting it for me. So this is a later thing. This is a thing that stays in the inbox and this is something that goes in the, in just a news file. So, you know, all the newsletters and mailing list updates I get, they go in news, anything that isn't relative or requiring my attention when I log on to email goes into the later folder Again, that's a lot of, it's like receipts. It's like the notice that, hey, a new episode of Into the Badlands is available to watch on Amazon. Yes, yes. Lord Um, knows I get a lot of that. It's like, it's not that this is spam and I never mm -hmm. want to see it again, but I don't need this right now. Right. And so it, it does a really good job of doing that for me without me having to sit down and write a whole bunch of rules. Uh, which was one of the problems I had previously is I had something like a hundred different rules uh, uh, filters in Google just to maintain sorting that stuff. And SaneBox for the fee just sort of swept it away. This sounds like it may be a system that is valuable to you. It is. Which leads us to the next question. What systems and or habits are valuable to you? So one other thing that I'm doing now that I wasn't doing before is I'm writing in a planner. I have a tool planner. I have I've, tool tool. I'm experimenting with their calendars as they go. So I've had I'm using the home pages now, and then I've got the an, a, a 12 month academic, a real sort of planner page. First time they've ever done it. It's glorious. Uh, that I'm going to start using J- July 1st. So and just being able to write down my to do list and check it off, really handy. But habits and systems, right? Uh So one of the other things I use to help with that is Habitica. Yes. There's a tool and a system that that's sort of like my reminder of, did I do everything I need to do today? Because there's a bunch of stuff I don't want to write in my notebook. Did I collect eggs every day? Did I feed the chickens? Did I feed the dogs? But... Keep talking. I'll go deal with the cat. cat. Yeah. Um, She's grabbed hold of the curtain and pulled it through the underneath and around the door. Yeah, you're a good cat. But you're she really is. So the the big value to Habitica is that I don't have to maintain a list of what I need to do every day. I have something there to kind of hold me accountable, and it's fun because I've got you know I've got my pets, I've got my mounts, I've got my little my little uh, plague doctor outfit now, um, and I really enjoy. Just like at the end of the day, going through and saying, all right, I had scrum today. I fed the dogs. I gave Ernie's pills. I took my pills. If I were trying to do that every day on a, on a written calendar, it would just be terrible. Yes. And so it's, it's doing what it's supposed to do, and that's build better habits and better practices. 
And I don't know if I'll ever, ever give it up in favor of something else because I've tried other tools and they just don't, they're not suited to that. They're much more in a, in a projecty kind of phase. I do keep other to-do lists. I have my list in my planner of the things I need to accomplish this week or things for work that are, are pending. So I'll have, you know, hey, I've got a, a single sign-on implementation call with this customer. That'll be on that list. Versus trying to keep it all in Habitica, which isn't necessarily suited to being just a generic to-do list. It's right. one of the, the things that it's not really designed around. You can do it that way, but it's not. It's it's much more around the habits and the repeating and the daily stuff, which is fine. Oh, Great. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in use the tool that's right for the job. So there's that. And then with SaneBox and Active Inbox to help keep my email basically under control so that I don't lose track of things, so that I don't have a whole bunch of clutter in my inbox of stuff that I'm just like, click, 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 archive, 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 mark red. Um, I can get through and see what's important in my inbox rather quickly. And then, you know, just a regular schedule. Getting into that habit of, yes, we record Productivity Alchemy on Wednesdays, generally, and I release it on Thursday. We re I record... Um, Hidden Almanac every Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. We're doing Kevin and Ursley cheap every other Friday now. Or Saturday, depending on, you know, but every other weekend. Um, just because we can't physically do that every week anymore. It's it's, it's hard on the body. But I've 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 settled into a good routine. And because it's no longer subject to disruption from an entire team of people outside my control. That was a big thing at the last job is I was trying to build these and at any given, there you go. That's, that's what I was talking about. She starts flapping and whatever. Um, that it's, it's, I'm not having things shoved upon me outside my control that are basically destroying any habits I had or making me have to work twice as hard at the things I need to get done or want to get done. That is fantastic. We have four more questions, and we will get to those right after the next break. Okay. We're back. Yay! The uh, the cat will no longer, or at least for now, not be a disturbance, we hope. We can't say much about the chicken. Chicken no. is bored. Chicken yeah. has been inside for a few days and is bored <laughs> being in the box. And when she gets out of the box, she's very curious about everything, but she doesn't stop peeping. Yes. She keeps going the same way she's going now. It is like having a, a child of some sort. There's a stage where they just talk all the time. The, uh, the running joke for mm -hmm. those following our chicken shenanigans is that since baby goth has now graduated to the teenage stage and mama goth yes. is like, I'm laying eggs again. You don't need me 24-7. I'm going to roost with the other hens. 
she has now, uh, Baby Goth is now start is, is idolizing strong, independent chicken, who right. is like the cool aunt with the leather jacket and the motorcycle, as somebody said on Twitter. And so she's trying to roost where strong, independent is by yes. climbing up branches to get to the top of the trellis, which it's, is It's adorable hilarious. to watch, yeah. And at some point after we're done recording, because it's still light out, I'll have to go put two chickens away, likely. Yes. And verify that all of the chickens are in the coop. Yes. So, that's part of the habits. Yes. I, I have put chicken away um, in my Habitica. Yep. So, what is the best advice or feedback you've been given? So, there are a couple. Um professionally one of the best pieces of advice i was given was do your boss's job and that is from one of the early interviews uh, with my former manager eugene yacobi and i can't remember what episode number that was but it was it was uh, around november of last year and the reason he said that is if he's a he's a manager and he is always like that is his career path has been technician manager director manager that sort of level of things. He's really good at it. And what a former boss of his had said was do your boss's job. And the reason you do that is because you expect your boss to move up in the company or move out, right? If you're doing his job and making his job easier, you're essentially self-training yourself to be the manager. Okay, I can see this in a corporate environment. I was getting like, my tendency would be to go, no, your boss can do your boss's damn job, you know, but... Yeah, but there's, in a large but organization... But if you want advancement, mm-hmm. yes, If okay, you want advancement or you, you want to be a, a manager or a director, then it's important to learn from your bosses, good or bad. Uh, Gene also turned me on to a book called Managing Humans, which is absolutely brilliant. And it's much more on the, uh, much more of the soft skills and interpersonal relationships and how everything intertwines. It's, it's an amazing book. And I recommend it to anyone who's looking at going into being a team leader or management or even product management, which is project management, which is what I'm now trained in to go with it. Um, second best piece of advice I picked up and I say it all the time is perfect is the enemy of done. Oh yeah. And I, think I saw that brother. Yeah, on Lifehacker or uh, in one of the DIY planner things years ago, and it stuck with me. Or you could hear it pretty much once Weekly. a month as me wandering around the house yelling. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, but the idea is that nothing will ever be perfect. And if you're, whether you're producing a podcast, whether you're drawing a thing for yourself, whether you're writing a book, whether you are releasing a product perfect is never going to be what goes out the door. And if you don't pick a spot and end it and say, okay, it's not perfect. I understand that, but I have to move on to the next thing. You'll always be doing that one thing. And we actually kind of see that a lot in some of the creative fields. Oh yeah. uh, Especially with some of the used to be part of a web comics collective. Yes. And there would always be at least one person showing up at the little social gatherings or whatever who was like, yeah, I'm going to release it as soon as it's just right. It's perfect. That functionally meant they would never release it. Yes. Because they would be so busy writing and rewriting and doing and redoing, they would never actually put it out there. Um, or they'd be saying, well, when it's finished, then I'll, I'll start putting it on the internet. 
And I always wanted to scream at those people because if you're waiting to finish it before you put it on the internet, but you're trying to generate interest and help and whatever, you're never going to do it because you don't have anything to show people. Show yeah. don't show don't tell is a huge rule in anything involving comics, books, graphics, you know. A rule which occasionally I wish to boot out the window, but... Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I Sometimes elegantly shown is... Mm-hmm. is or elegantly told is better than shown, but... It, it, novels are a little different. Yeah. Novels well, are a little yeah. different. But if you're... If you're telling something and it's a dramatic presentation and it's not on the radio or a podcast, then you're going to bore your audience. And the same holds true with... Present- Unless you're a really good storyteller. Unless you're a really good storyteller. Everything is, everything is style. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's... Sorry, I'm... But, I'm- but, I mean, it carries over to PowerPoint presentations, right? Yes. Uh, if, if you take the time to tell people and just put on a slide everything you're saying and read it verbatim, it drives... Your audience crazy, it makes them bored, They you disengage. Yep. If you're showing them something while explaining it and not have exactly what you're saying on screen, then it becomes a much more impactful thing. And so I've become a big believer in, uh, frankly, show don't tell when I'm presenting. Because if I, I don't want to give boring presentations, I don't want to keep my audience engaged and, and asking questions. And it's worked really well for the ones I've done uh, so far for Open Source 101 and All Things Open. So I, those are, those are, there was one of the, oh, Fail Fast. Another one I picked up from Gene, um, which applies primarily to IT work, but, or development work, but I found it also applies into trying new things. Mm-hmm. And that is, you can spend hours and days working on something just to make it work and then find out it's the wrong solution. Or you can make that assessment really early on that, okay, this is going to be a lot more trouble than it's worth. I'm going to spend a lot of energy on it and it's not going to do what I want anyway. So why am I doing this other than the fact to say that I did it? And sometimes that's valuable, but if I'm trying to get a podcast out the door, if I'm trying to get a new function built for our automation. I want to know it's failed really, really quick and that I'm on the wrong path and get it out of the way and go to the next thing. All right. I can, mm-hmm. I can certainly see that. I, uh, yeah. uh, Lord knows with art, there's often a, no, I can just make this work. If I keep going, I can just make right. this work. Sometimes you can make it work, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just wind up going, nope. And it frustrates me sometimes because I'll hear somebody who's been working on a problem. They'll be like, yeah, I've been trying to solve this for a month. And I'm like, why are you still working that after a, on, after a month? You're setting all the other deliverables off because you this one thing isn't working right. Maybe we need to look at that one thing. And if how we're doing it is the right thing, not the whys, because obviously it's a value or you wouldn't have been spending a month on it. But maybe the hows... And the implementation needs to go out the window and start over with something less complex or less finicky. We were doing a a changeover of our ticket tracking system, and it took three months to write the glue code to be able to transfer things from the old one to the new one and to be able to, you know, all the integration stuff we needed to do. And I was about to say, have we paid for a year? Because if we haven't paid for a year, let's go to a different solution, because obviously this is taking up way too much of our time. 
right? This is supposed to be helping us, and it's not. So About a thousand years ago, when mm-hmm. we were first dating, I uh, hired you basically to set up my website. Yes. And you were like, I will code you shopping cart systems and functionality mm-hmm. and whatnot. And then you're like, I'm going to look at like 800 different solutions and contemplate it. And then one day I was like, shit needs to be online. We're going with this one. Do it. Yep. And sometimes you have to say that. Yeah. And it worked for a couple of years. Uh, it worked for like five or six years, honestly. Yep. It was it was great mm-hmm. for what it was. And, and then we rolled to the next one. Yeah. And we rolled to the next one. And then I offloaded my print business to Topodico right. because they could handle it better. Right. Uh, but that was that was sort of the idea is that was I was caught in that cycle of no no, no I will find just the perfect thing. Exactly. Nope. Nope. We gotta we've gotta get this thing out the door. We'll find a thing that works and we can improve it later, we can replace it later. But what we need now is function. Is function. Yeah. Right. And you hear that um, uh, when people uh, – successful fulfillment of Kickstarters. Okay, well, in order to set up all this back-end stuff on the Kickstarter, why mm-hmm. don't I just write a program that does this, this, and this? No. Or you could send 10% to the people who already wrote the program and are right. like, we'll do it all for you for 10%. Mm-hmm. And as, as uh, my buddy Jeff, who did the SoFold Kickstarter, he's like, when I first did one, I was like, 10%, that's tons of money. Now I would write the check so fast my hand right? would catch fire. Yeah, there's a reason BackerKit is so popular, yeah. is that it makes sending out the polls and working up the deliverables, and it's got all the nice export functions based on level. And, you you know, there's still some things that need to be done after you get it, but it's much, much easier than trying to do it all yourself. So much easier. All right. Well, Mm -hmm. we're going off on a tangent. Any other advice or feedback you've been given you want to share with the internet? Well. You can say no. I mean, one of the things about this podcast is I wanted to see something like this, so I made it. Don't be afraid to take a chance on something you want to see made or you want to see done or something you're passionate about. It's you're going to fail. Not going to lie. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. It's going to, they're going to be missteps. As Howard Taylor says failure isn't an option. It's mandatory. We get to that. Yeah. Um, but if you don't fail and learn, then you will never move forward. You know, there's, there's the old thing about uh, two steps forward, one step back. Occasionally in IT, it's one step forward, two steps back. But, um, and that's, that's important because, yes, you might... You can get those two steps forward. Oh, you messed up. You have to go back a step. Hey, you're still a step ahead of where you were. Yep. And But if you keep saying, oh, I really ought to do this. I ought to do this. Then you're never going to do it. Just just to, to paraphrase. Um, yeah, it's the dog trying to get to the cats. Um, uh, Shale LaBeouf in the, one, in the one video. Just do it. Do it. You can do it. Oh, God. We're quoting Shale LaBeouf. Eh, who was quoting Nike for God's sake? But okay, as long yeah. as he was quoting Nike, I would rather. I would rather. Uh, have you have Nike. you not seen that video? You I'll know, show it to you later. Let, let, let me put it this way: given mm-hmm. the choice between watching that dude do anything mm-hmm. and do literally anything else with my life, <laughs> it is amazing the number of things that I can find to do with my life, including alphabetizing your fingernails, toenails, yes, toenails, yes. toenails. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so how do you celebrate your successes, and you, if so, how? Beta question. It, that's what the arrow is there, is to put it in there. Okay, you did not make that clear. I should have made that clear. I'm sorry. How do 
do you decide what to start on on any given day? So I've got a routine, which helps a lot. And that is after I've sat outside with my chickens and my coffee and maybe poked at Instagram to let my brain sort of warm up without in a low stress way. You know, let's see what Dollskin's been doing, or Otep, or Butcher Babies, or... These are all bands. These are all us. bands, yes. I, I love my metal shows. Um, um, and I'll take my morning chicken picture, and I'll have my coffee, and they'll have mealworms, and everybody's happy. And so I, I can get kind of chill. Um, the first thing I do, actually, is I sit down and I see if we have anything that needs to be addressed to fix or make a customer's life better. If there is an issue for a customer, that is absolutely number one, my first priority after I sit down and log on and say good morning. There is, uh, I'm in a customer-driven business. If our customers aren't happy or our customers um, aren't able to access the website, the service, then anything else I do during the day is bullshit. Because the thing that makes us money, the people who we're there to serve, that all of this is for, is is worthless. So that it's not so much a decision until I'm looking at it. And if I've got three, then it's what's the, you know, what's the worst situation? Pick up your fiddle thing. Go ahead. I'm sure they all heard the thump on the floor. Um, Sorry. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's really straightforward in this job, which I like that, you know, the number one thing to think about is what the customers need and then go from there. Do you need me to get that for you instead of... Yeah, okay. She She's getting... I have a fidget cube. We have, like, several around the house now. This Pro- is the superior fidget cube. It's the one I keep in my office for now when she's, when she's starting to get fidgety and would be destroying things, given the opportunity. Oh, God, I just realized that uh, when I, I took that online ADD analysis and I asked if I fidgeted a lot, I was like, no, that's a lie. Yeah... Maybe a little. If you don't have a fidget cube, I've seen what you do with strips of paper, with wrappers for bottles, and one memorable occasion, the aluminum bottle twist-off cap. Okay. That poor twist-off cap. I was I had to take it away from you. I was afraid you were going to cut yourself on it. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so that is how you start your day. <laughs> that, is, that is how I start my day. After that, it's... Um, whatever project is is uh, in need, like whatever relates to the customers in terms of the project. I had this plan about setting a thing up yesterday, got thrown out the window. First thing, we had a customer problem. I had to look at it. And then I had to make sure I had to implement something new to make sure it never happened again. Right. So that made decision making really easy. Focus on the customer first. So how do you celebrate your success? And if so, how? All right, for the little ones, I'm trying to be better, but, you know, I might do a yes or a little happy dance or something. You'll hear me yell it up the stairs when something goes, when something does exactly what I want it to do and everything's functioning the way I want it to. Um, You know, I might, the the equivalent of a little happy dance uh, or like the happy dance you do for for seeing a new life bird that Tina makes you do. The lifer dance, yes. The lifer dance, yeah. For the big things, that's... I'm maybe not as good at celebrating those as I should be. We're at 50 episodes. This is my celebration, right? Doing another podcast. Doing another podcast. No, dude. You should like, <laughs> go have a, 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 I don't know, a, a yeah. cheesecake or a, <laughs> a 
you know, maybe I'll have some whiskey, and and that's yeah. I'll, I'll have I'll have a little whiskey. I'll have a beer sometimes, although beer is much more of a I'm done with the week and want to unwind a little bit thing. Whiskey is much more of a it's time to celebrate. Things are done. Yes, you should have yeah. a you should have a little bit of whiskey then as a mm-hmm. as a goddammit, I did fifty episodes yep. for a year. Yes. Yes. Um I don't have a fifty year old scotch and that just sets a bad precedent. No, then, yeah, because then for the hundredth episode all of a sudden we have to spend a thousand dollars. Not a thousand, keep going up. Um and we're not gonna do that. Yeah. We're not gonna do that. But um, as long as it's not buy another chicken. Well, no, and, and that's that is that is how one of the minor things I'll do. I'm like, you know what? I deserve a break. I'm gonna go outside and sit with my chickens. Sometimes, though, I'll also say, you know, this is a roadblock. I'm gonna go sit with my chickens and just watch the chickens be chickens, and just let my mind wander it at is, the wonder of chickens. It and, is like the, yeah. the the people talk about practicing mindfulness. You practice chicken. I do. I do. Yes. It's it's much more of a. There's the whole thing about um, empty your mind, focus on the now. Chickens allow me to focus on the now because chickens only have the now. They don't think about later tonight when they're going to bed. They don't think about what they're doing tomorrow. They're in the woods scratching and pecking now. They're getting mealworms now. They're roosting on the gate, clucking at the wind now. They they don't exist in this weird state of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Right? And and it sounds strange that that would be a reward, but sometimes that's a reward. And sometimes that's just a reward for not screaming and bashing my keyboard in, <laughs> which is not as much a risk at this job as it was at the other one. I was really frustrated at the other one. Can I make a suggestion having now looked at your questions? Yeah. I think you need to reverse the last two questions because the last one is how do you deal with failure if when you miss a goal? And that means you end on a real downer note. I don't necessarily end on a downer note. And one of the reasons that is the last question is because often there is a very long introspective discussion with it. Um, one of the things that I've found doing this question is... Everybody deals with it differently, and especially how I deal with it now versus how I dealt with it last year, this time last year, uh, or how I dealt with it five years ago, right? There was a point two years ago, three years ago, um, longer than that. It was before I met you that we've, if We've I, been together for nine years I now. know. Um, <laughs> you've been really good for me on this side. Yay! Um, if I miss or... You don't suck either. Yeah. Or something <laughs> fails miserably that, that impacts me, uh, it would be three or four days. Just, you know, I mean, sometimes, like when I was younger, I would get in the car, I would put on Quadrophenia, and I would drive the full loop of the Beltline around Raleigh, which takes about an hour, until I felt cleansed. You know, there was... Um, the year before I met you... I would, uh, 10,000 Days, just uh, 10,000 Days and Wings for Marie, those two songs back-to-back as as one continuous track, which is kind of how they were recorded, that, you know, let just process that raw emotion, get it out, flush it out, and then I could could maybe deal a little bit. Um, but I was also dealing with high le- levels of stress, um, high levels of depression, untreated depression, uh, for several years before I realized what was going on. Um, and of course my first bout with burnout, my first bout with burnout that 
over time I've, I've adjusted, I've adjusted a lot. And one of the things I'm going to give you a quote, not best advice I've ever received, but one of the most impactful lines in a movie. Do you remember, did you watch, um, uh, the first of the, uh, Christopher Nolan Batman movies? Uh, was that the one with Catwoman and the Penguin? No, that was that was a Tim Burton film. Okay. This is the the Batman Begins, the Dark Knight, um, Dark Knight Rises. I think the one with the with the Heath Ledger Joker, the one that just before the Heath Ledger Joker. Oh my no, god! No, I, I I stopped watching the the Batman movies for a long time. Right. So there's this there's this point in in the beginning of the movie, it's a very young Bruce Wayne running through the field in the back of the house, and he basically falls down a hole. And his father, this is before, of course, you know... The, Everyone gets murdered in an alley. Right. Is like, um, what do we do when we fall down, Bruce? We get back up. Right? And that part didn't really impact me. It's later at the end, of, towards the end of the movie. Uh, Raza Ghul has come and basically burned Wayne Manor to the ground around him. Uh, he is there. It is him and Alfred. And Raza Ghul is off to raise... Gotham to the to the ground because that's what Ra's al Ghul does. Um, he's going to remove the city. He's going to burn the city down because this society is too decadent. And it's time to build the city back up. Um, I mean, I don't approve of all of the bloodshed involved in that, but yeah. I can't say that Ra's al Ghul had the wrong end of the stick. Exactly. Right, exactly. But here is now the adult Bruce Wayne Batman. Everything of value except basically the bat cave has been taken from him. His woman is, has been taken from him. His house is literally burning down around him. His woman. His girlfriend, his, the the person the significant other. I'm very sorry that was a very sexist statement. I apologize. Carry on. Anyway, this whole thing is happening and this is like the pit of despair. All this work he's done to to clean up Gotham or whatever, it's he's he's trapped or he's almost trapped it's done everything he'd hoped to accomplish gone um and alfred looks at him in the midst of all of this and he says what do we do when we fall down master bruce and he sort of looks at him and he goes we get back up and that impactfulness one it called back to when he was a child and memories of his father blah blah but failure is not permanent unless you're dead. If you are not dead, you can still get back up again. It won't be easy. Sometimes it's sometimes it's just like, yeah, okay, look that like I said, fail fast. Okay, that failed on to the next thing. Sometimes it's hard, right? Um I the whole collapse of my marriage almost destroyed me. First marriage. First marriage. That it was hard. It was it tore me to pieces that you know, um, but you got to get back up, right? If I, if, if I stop there, if I let failure, if I let a failure rule every inch of, of what I am, where I'm going, whatever, then I might as well just stop there. Right. And I realize that I am a cis white hetero male who's able-bodied, yep. right? So my circumstances are going to be significantly different from, say, a disabled African-American woman um, or of a chronically ill 
uh, uh, Asian American, right? A, a person of color. Uh, so I have some distinct advantages there. It will be much harder to get back up. It will be much harder to deal with it. I realize, you know, we're big proponents of chemical, chemical, uh, help. Better living through chemistry. Right. With, with our depression, both of us, your anxiety, my depression. And that isn't necessarily always available to people. And that's hard. Oh yeah. You know, and there are people who kill themselves. Sorry, should have put a trigger warning in there, but there is no absolute failure. If the failure doesn't kill me, I can get back up. It may not be the same as when I fell down, right? It may not, it may be really hard. I might have a, a, a failure in making a left turn onto the highway, get T-boned and be, become not able-bodied anymore. And that's going to be very difficult to recover from. But it can be done. Even, you can always get up to a certain degree. Yeah, least, I can, you can alive. get back up. It may it will never be the same again. But until I am put in the ground or cremated or whatever, we're gonna my ashes are scattered or whatever, I'm gonna keep trying to get up. Because I'm not gonna let failure be the stopping point. Like Howard says, right, on my coin, I say this all the time, failure is not an option, it is mandatory, it's what you do after. Yes. Right? And the only place where what I can't do anything after is if I am dead and gone. So... At least as far as we know. As far as we know. Yes. So I'm, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep fighting. And it's hard. Uh, it's not always easy. I have it really easy compared to a lot of people. Le leaving aside yeah. the, the broad philosophical right. uh, mm -hmm. comic book hero resilience, mm -hmm. what do you do if you fuck up at work? I own up. Absolutely. I, I fucked up last week, and I got a phone call from my boss like, this was unacceptable. And I'm like, you're absolutely correct. This is unacceptable. Here are the things I'm doing to make sure that this never happens again. Here are the steps we can take to make sure that even if it does happen again, there is a fail-safe in place so that if something happens and I can't respond to an outage or an emergency, someone else can. Here's, you know, here's all the places I'm making it right. And that is something else that's really important that a lot of people don't do is they fuck up, they blame somebody else. Or there's a reason and they don't change it. If I fuck up, I don't want to make that same mistake twice. I'm not going to say I'm not going to, but it's very important as a professional, as a person to say, yeah, I made a mistake. I failed at this. We are going to fix the immediate concern. And then we're going to look at what can be done to make sure that this immediate concern never happens again. And that, that last part is the hard one. At my last job, we did a lot of meetings around, well, what, what can we do to mitigate this or to make sure it never happens again? And there would be a lot of meetings and a lot of talk, and almost nothing would come of it. So for stuff I'm in control of, I am all about taking responsibility and fixing it if I can fix it. 
not going to say that uh, today isn't going to come in a professional situation someday where I'm going to make a mistake and they're going to be like, well, it's been great knowing you. Here's uh, here's here's a box to put your stuff in. Yeah. Right. Um, I worked in a shop like that very briefly, a very brief contract that two things happened under, well, I was, I was the one that typed commands. They were completely outside of my control, but because I was the one typing on, the, so I was the one who executed a command that then set off a chain reaction. Uh, I was at fault, right? No matter what I did, there was no way to get around the, I was at fault. The boss was a three strikes, you're out kind of guy. And so, and I was a contractor, so out I went, right? And there was, I had, there was a logical chain of events that says, I did X because this is how I was trained to do X by the person, this other person. But when I did X, it broke all of this other stuff and, you know, I didn't have any way to recover it. Uh, it was, it was messy. It was, it was, it was a toxic workplace. This is, you know, same, same company had uh, a network team, an entire network team, like four people who were doing an upgrade. First time didn't go well. They rolled it back. Second time didn't go well. They rolled it back. Third time didn't go well, but they managed to complete it and get everything in place. And as soon as that was done, he fired the entire team. Because the previous two hadn't gone well? Because all, because even the third one, while it succeeded in the end, did not go well. And there was an extended outage because, you know, he if if he did not tolerate failure or mistakes and had a very strict, okay, if you can't do the job right the first time, that's a strike. If you can't do the job right three times, you're out. Um, that seems like a good way to not get to get a lot of very unhappy people. It was not a happy workplace. Yeah. It was not. It was. It was. You could tell culturally they had issues well you have to allow for failure right if you accept right. that failure is an inevitability you have to allow for the right. possibility and that and that was just that one team there were other teams and other cultural problems that compounded it but i don't like working for somebody who who has an unrealistic expectation that everything will go right all of the time and if it doesn't go right then obviously you're not the right person for the job yeah well, that is all seven of our questions, yep. and I would just like the internet to acknowledge how <laughs> amazingly good I did at not embarking on my Bruce Wayne is wrong with all that is superheroes, oh, no, there and is... here's why. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, at no point will I defend Batman as being no, non-problematic, no. <laughs> but... No, it, it is great mm. that you took that you took that from that, and that is why mm -hmm. I did not immediately embark on my TED talk. Yes, no. That's... Batman sucks. All right, yeah. we'll be back we'll after be back those after. thoughts. <laughs> And we're back. I it's weird to be the one answering the questions and not asking. 
Yes. Because often I'm just there to serve as the catalyst for the dis- for the conversation, and it's very interesting to be the reagent, and it's a good experience. So maybe we'll check back in another year. Another yeah. year. Enunciate, Kevin. Enunciate. So you plan to keep doing productivity alchemy for another year? I do. Excellent. As long as people are getting value and listening, I can keep going. If it reaches a point where it's not rewarding to me, and maybe it isn't as rewarding to the listeners, then we'll look at it. But I got a year ahead, and I've got a whole bunch of interviews already queued up. So uh, we've got uh, Howard Taylor coming up, Sandra Taylor, his wife, who is absolutely brilliant. I have a... um, uh, oh, God, I can't remember what she does. Um, I have a, an academic and career coach I'm really excited about. She was great to talk to. That was uh, Jennifer. Uh, that one's coming up in July. And finally, I've got my redo of the interview with Jim C. Hines scheduled. Yay! So that'll be coming up probably next month sometime. Really excited about some of that. And I've got a couple other feelers out to like some musicians and a magazine publisher. Um, it's a small independent magazine, but still that, you know, I'm trying to broaden. I've got people actually emailing, asking, if you want to talk about X, how do I do that? And um, so, yeah, and so I'll share my Doodle link. That was a tool I didn't talk about is is the scheduling tool Doodle, which lets people look and say, oh, there are these blocks out. Here's an open spot where I can I ask for a meeting. I think you talked about that a, a week or two ago. Yeah, I did. Um, but that's it's indispensable for something like this. Yes. So... You should get Michael yep. Damien Thomas or Lynn Damien Thomas even better. She's mm-hmm. the archivist. And right. That's a fascinating Yeah, thing. and uh, I talked to um, Davey. I can't remember Davey's last name now. But uh, our, our friend who is, ha- has been a librarian, a children's librarian, and who's transitioning to be a full-time artist. He's, he's reached that point in his art career where he can give up his day job because he's not making as much money at his he's made it's like a break even now if he quits his day job he doesn't lose money but if he keeps his day job there's a good chance he's not going to be able to make as much money and a buddy of mine just mm-hmm. contacted me who did just quit her day job right. and basically she uh like me at the time uh mm-hmm. clung to her day job for a very long time because security is right. a thing that mm-hmm. you know and I love security. I am in a terrible oh, yeah. field for how much I love financial security. <laughs> uh, it's just that I, mm-hmm. I honestly, I think it's my sleep schedule that keeps me really? away from it. Um, and she actually contacted me the other day and said, "How I, I am suddenly mm-hmm. a freelancer for the first time in my life. How do you schedule your day? Because she's like, I'm... I'm Without the the outside schedule, I'm a little lost, and I told her yeah. what my day entails, and she's like, for as much as you get done, that seems really leisurely. And yeah. uh, the, the only explanation that I can offer is that I am much like a greyhound. <laughs> I, I work very hard for five minutes, and then I sleep for ten hours, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I can cover a lot of ground in that five minutes. And one of the discussions I was, I was having with the one slack... I'm on was a person saying, you know, I have this big project that I keep having to put back because I have other paying gigs and and other things going on. How do I keep this? How do you, how does everybody keep themselves organized? And, you know, I virtually cracked my knuckles and say, okay, (laughs) here's what I know and how different people do it. And case talked about her passion planner and the big, the big thing that kept coming up is these are all, these are all mostly women. 
I'm in the minority on this chat being a guy. And it was that, yes, but you don't have children. You don't have small children. You don't have this and that. And I'm like, you know, it's really difficult. And maybe you should talk to this person or that person because they're in a similar situation. And again, it's a really hard transition when you take that structure away. One of the early lessons I had to learn working from home was structure. Oh, yeah. Because right? yeah. there's, there's no driving into the office and driving home to put bookends on it. You, it's very easily to become, I'm always at work. Without the, uh, as you know, when the coffee mm-hmm. shop went away for a while, oh, yeah. I suddenly started feeling unemployed. Right. Because I had a thing. I got up, mm-hmm. I went to the coffee shop. You know, right. I got up, I did stuff. And then when I was at the coffee shop, I was at work for like mm-hmm. three hours. Yep. And I realized a three-hour workday is like, oh, yeah, I wish I could get that gig. Well, okay, yeah, but I could write a lot in that three hours. Oh, yeah. And then... Come home, take a nap. After dinner, I go do art stuff kind of thing. Right, or answer emails or whatever. But the primary focus of your quote-unquote office hours was, this is when I write. This is when I make my word count. This is when you make your word count. And so when the coffee shop is done, there's actually forward progress being made. Yeah, they were painting it today as I drove by. Yeah. Then you'll be able to start, you'll you'll readjust to that structure. And one of the challenges is, I'm like, you know, Time boxing does help a lot of people. And, oh, I can't really do that because, it, you know, I get interrupted by the kids, that and the other. And I'm like, you know, here are other people who are work from home, who are also parents, who are doing this, who have to set office hours and be very strict about it. But it doesn't work for everybody. Like Case, I was like, you know, do you use any electronic stuff? Have you heard of Habitica? I wasn't aimed at Case, but Case was like, you know, electronic just doesn't work for me. And I'm well aware of that. Right. Yeah, whereas in physical paper, you know, I can keep up with for about six weeks. And then I'm like, right. or my iPad is always with me. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas now Shannon and I are carrying around a paper planner whenever we're leaving, like, for something more than just a... And I think she probably takes hers on errand runs. I don't necessarily. So, so the, the mm-hmm. moral of this story is... Whatever works for you, and if yep. it doesn't work for you, that is not a moral failing on your part. It isn't. Um, fail fast. Toss it out. Yeah. Go to the next thing. Try something new, because you'll never figure out what works for you if you don't try something new. Yeah. Try different methods. So, hey, thinking of trying something new, oh, God. if you haven't listened before, you can claim badge codes, uh, badges. Uh, we support Mozilla Open Badges here at Productivity Alchemy. You can enter the code I'm about to give you uh, on the webpage, and you will get a nice image for that says you listened to this episode, and it actually contains metadata because it follows the Open Badges standard, so that you can share it or put it on other badge sites saying, hey, look, here's this cool badge I got for listening to this podcast. This week's code is 365-50, 365 days, 50 episodes. I'll come up with a celebratory image. The image does not always match the little caption. I'm having a lot of fun with that. I'm getting all of the images from nounproject.com. I am paying for them so that we have. I have the right to use them and all of that stuff, uh, which is another great resource that... If you're doing anything that needs icons or graphics or, or just, you know, a different way of representing something in that sort of basic form, it's a great resource. Fantastic resource, and I don't mind supporting them at all. So that's it for this week. You can help us out to pay for badges, to pay for meds, meds uh, recording equipment, um, meds, bad food for KUEC, because 
all of our podcasts are basically supported by the uh, Red Wombat Studio Patreon. Meds. Patreon.com slash Ursula V. Yeah, the, our pill expenses has gone up because of the change of insurance. Uh, by my calculations, our pill expense is now in the vicinity of $900 a month. Yeah. 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 Uh, because our insurance company, the new insurance company doesn't want to pay for Jack. But they will graciously allow you to put those meds against your deductible. Yes, now that I'm changing one of my meds to one that they will at least let me put against my deductible uh, is the last one. They were just like, yeah, you can't buy that. I'm like, I can buy it. They're like, great, but you can't deduct it. You can't put it on your deductible and we're not paying. And I'm like, well, that blows. Yeah. So we're trying a different one, and I'm like, this is on their list of things they recommend trying instead. And then they're like, yeah, we're not paying for this one, but we'll we'll let it count against your deductible. And I'm like, really, guys? I could spend an hour talking about how healthcare in America is fucked. I don't think anyone who's in America and listening right now doesn't agree with me. Or know that, yeah. Yeah, so. or know that. So we, we don't have to... We don't have to go on that. Tangent. But anyway, the Patreon, Ursula V. Yes, patreon.com slash Ursula V. I'm also fueled by coffee. It's and true. I have a coffee page, ko-fi.com slash K-S-O-N-N-E-Y. It's all linked at the Productivity Alchemy website, uh, productivityalchemy.com. You can buy me a coffee. And there is also, if you don't feel like doing any of those, there's just a, a donation form that goes straight to PayPal. So if you don't feel like going through a third party or something like that, I mean, you still kind of do with any credit card processing, but the option is there. Uh, I added that recently to match, um, because Hidden Almanac had it. Is she asleep? Is, is, the, is the chicken asleep and snoring again? This is adorable. Uh, I think your chicken is snoring. Yeah, uh-huh. She does that. So... Anyway, folks, I need to get out of this studio and, and go master this somewhere where there isn't a snoring chicken because I don't want to keep her up too much later. And we will see you all next week while the cat tries to break into the studio. Folks, stay productive. Wayne Enterprises has enough money that it could cure homelessness, poverty, medical issues. It could provide support systems for every single poor person in Gotham. It could reduce crime by unbelievable amounts, but instead Bruce Wayne rejects all of that just so he can be a masked vigilante LARPer. Everybody else in Arkham Asylum is excused by reason of mental health issues, but Bruce Wayne is a monster. He's the real villain of the Batman franchise. I can I can kind of see that. Do, do you feel better now that you've gotten that out of your system? A little, yes. Okay, then. <laughs>